Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Here's the podcast for The Jeremiah Johnston Show. And don't forget, you can also listen live across the Faith Radio Network Saturdays at 11 a.m. Central or 12 Eastern for the entire hour. And if you want your question read on the live show, go ahead and send it to me at www.askjjj.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to The Jeremiah Johnston Show. Combining cutting-edge biblical scholarship with meaningful, thought-provoking discussions and practical answers to your questions. It's time to own your faith and be a Christian thinker with our host, author, Bible scholar, apologist, and president of the Christian Thinker Society, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. Welcome to another episode of the Jeremiah Johnston Show. This is your host, Jeremiah. I am so excited for today's program. And before I get into those details, let me just welcome you to the show that encourages you and hopefully inspires you to have a thinking faith, to love God with your heart, soul, and mind, where we look at all questions and we take them to the filter of a biblical worldview. It's not a sin to question our faith, and God is a big boy. He can take our most difficult questions. And so I'm delighted to have you with us on this broadcast today. Uh, Just a few weeks ago, I had the privilege to uh, bring our Unimaginable Tour. Uh, That's my latest book published by Baker Publishing. It's called Unimaginable, What Our World Would Be Like Without Christianity. And I don't normally do this, but I actually flew in a day before the conference because I had an opportunity to have dinner with Dr. Hayes Wicker the longtime pastor, 27 years at the First Baptist Church of Naples, Florida. He was memorable on so many levels, friends, but mostly so because Dr. Hayes Wicker was the pastor of Chuck Colson for over 20 years. That's right, the great Chuck Colson, who founder of Breakpoint Ministries, and actually uh, very related to our program today with Warren Cole Smith, Uh, Dr. Wicker had the privilege to speak at his funeral, both in Florida and also to participate at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. I wept as Dr. Wicker shared so many wonderful stories of what he learned from Chuck Colson as a man and his deep and abiding love for Jesus Christ. And so I just want to encourage you today, as we get into this program, you are going to be touched as I have been. If you've not, if you're not familiar with the longtime ministry of Chuck Colson, I want to encourage you to check it out by just going to their website at Breakpoint Ministries, now led by John Stone Street, Warren Cole Smith, and other dynamic Christian leaders. Uh, secondly, it was a privilege for me to receive an invitation to the 2019 Wilberforce Weekend, which is going to be happening May 17 through 19 in Washington, D.C. Of course, the theme is, is Christianity still good for the world? We're going to be discussing that and other things with our guest, Warren Cole Smith, who is one of the vice presidents and does a lot of work in media and development with Wilberforce Weekend. He's a gifted writer, author, communicator, and a great brother in Christ. You're going to be blessed. So thanks again for joining us for this broadcast. We're going to have to go to a 90-second break, and uh, when we come back, I'm going to introduce you to our good friend, Warren Cole Smith. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnson Show. This is your host, Jeremiah, welcoming all of you listening throughout the Faith Radio Network, both in the Central and Eastern Time Zone, and especially also welcoming all of our friends who are joining us later through the archived radio podcast. And I want to again thank so many of you who are giving us such great reviews over the Jeremiah Johnson Show podcast. 
and thanks for sharing it and making a lot of noise about this exciting new program. I am delighted to have joining us today uh, one of, I think, the finest Christian thinkers alive today in America. Uh, his name is Warren Colesmith, and he is Vice President of Advancement for the Colson Center for Christian Worldview. And you've either likely read one of Warren's books, or you're probably a subscriber to his weekly podcast, Listening In, which is a long-form interview program that's heard by thousands of subscribers weekly. Uh, but before joining the Colson Center, I actually knew Warren Cole uh, Smith Audrey and I because we would read him often uh, in his role as vice president of World News Group, publisher of World Magazine, as well as producer of the nationally syndicated program, The World and Everything in It. And what's really cool about Warren is before doing all of the neat ministry things that he's involved in, he spent 20 years in the corporate world, including seven as a major marketing director. So, uh, Warren, I want to just first welcome you to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Jeremiah. It's great to be with you. It's an honor, actually. You have such an interesting bio, and before I even get deeper into it, you've been married for 35 years now. You have four children. I mean, what haven't you done, Warren? This is awesome. <laughs> well, I guess uh, uh, sometimes I say I can't keep a job, but I, I think the truth of the matter is is that um, you know writing and communicating has been a constant thread through my life. I, I became a Christian and decided I want to be a writer when I was 14 years old, and um, you know those have been sort of uh, twin pillars of my life, uh, sort of trying to trying to develop my craft as a writer and also trying to develop my relationship with Jesus and uh, uh, you know have a more intimate um, fruitful relationship with him and you're a great thinker and you what i love about your christian thinking is when we be when we love christ with all our mind it should be holistic it should impact every aspect of our life every cell of our body every aspect of our community life and i think you have modeled so well for the church today storytelling not just in your nonfiction writing that's where i first became acquainted with you but also with your fiction writing as well i mean it's been a really neat trajectory hasn't it how you've actually uh, you've been one of those rare authors that can write in both worlds, fiction and nonfiction. How did that begin? Well, you know, I I think as a writer, I began the way a lot of people begin uh, their vocations or their careers. They they see the effect of others on them. I know, for example, I've interviewed engineers, Jeremiah, and 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 I've asked them, how, how when did you decide you wanted to become an engineer? And they'll say something like, Well, I took my mom's toaster apart when I was 11 years old so I could see how it worked. And for me, it was books. I read books, and um, they had an impact on me. They moved me. Uh, they instructed me. They discipled me in some way. And, uh, and I, would, I would get to the end of a book that was particularly satisfying, and I would ask myself, how did they do that? How does it work? How did that writer make me cry or make me laugh or make me angry uh, as I was reading it? And, and so I think in some ways uh, it was just the impact that um, other great writers had on me that made me realize, A, you can really have an impact with, with words, and B, it just seemed fun and interesting and worthwhile to do, and it's just been a lifelong fascination for me. Well, I want to return to that in a few minutes, but I want to begin because I think that you really have a very unique perspective 
where you are at right now in the leadership that you're giving to the church at large through your ministry, um, not only in media and writing, but what you're doing at Breakpoint and the Colson Center for Christian Worldview. Um, you are conversant what's happening in our faith, both at home and globally. And you know what? These these are interesting times. And, and I'm not one of those boogeyman type Christian leaders. There are a lot of Christian leaders out there. There's always a boogeyman out there. There's always something we're fighting against. And yes, we're in a spiritual battle. I think the scriptures are clear about that. But at the same time, I think there's a lot to be excited and encouraged about. And I would just be very interested to hear your perspective, Warren. And if you're just joining us, I want to encourage you to connect right now with Warren Cole Smith on Facebook and Twitter. It's at Warren Cole Smith. No spaces at Warren Cole Smith. But Warren, tell us, what are you encouraged about that's happening uh, in Christianity in general right now? And just tell us from your perspective what you're seeing that's giving you hope. Well, Jeremiah, first of all, I agree with you that um, uh, that there are a lot of folks out there that are saying, you know, they're doomsdayers, if you will. And I think it's important that we realize that um, that we do live in a broken world. I mean, God made it good. He in Genesis, He said it was good several times, many times. And in fact, at one point, he even said it was very good. But it's broken. It's a it's a beautiful but broken world. That's the way I like to describe it. And, uh, there, and I don't think we can uh, ever really underestimate the brokenness of the world. But that's not God's fault. That's our fault, you know. And, um, and I also know that God is in the process um, of restoring all things to himself. That uh, scripture teaches that as well. So I think there's much to be encouraged by. I mean, I mean, uh, I, I see a lot of movements around the world, uh, church planting movements. I've been to India a couple of times. I've been to Africa. I've been to Europe. I've seen, you know, I've seen some amazing growth in Christianity all around the world. Uh, I've seen courageous people. Uh, Andrew Brunson, uh, who was recently in the news, uh, was a, a, a pastor from the United States in jail in Turkey, remained faithful during that uh, time of his imprisonment and has come home now uh, by God's grace and has just amazingly powerful testimony. And um, uh, Isaiah Bibi, for example, who is under living under threat of death, as you and I are having this conversation right now, uh, yet um, such a powerful, strong witness for the gospel uh, that she is proclaiming literally to the world in very difficult circumstances. So, yeah, I think there's a whole lot to be encouraged by, you know, and, and I, I don't know, I might alienate some of your listeners. Jeremiah, but uh, I know you're associated with Houston Baptist University, and there are some uh, fantastic Christian colleges around the country, including HBU, that are doing great things. I look at the homeschool movement in this country, for example, and I'm deeply encouraged by uh, that what I see there, the classical education movement uh, in this country. Uh, I see a lot of great things happening in Christian media. You know, we talk about fake news and the liberal media bias, and it's very real, and that anti-Christian bias. In fact, Marvin Olasky with World Magazine, and I even wrote a book about it called Prodigal Press. But I'm also seeing a whole lot of really encouraging and exciting things going on in the world as well. So I could go on and on, but I know we've only got a short time. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not an a pessimist. I'm an optimist. I have read the last chapter of the, of the Bible, and guess what? God wins. 
So true, and and it also is true that we're living, as I say, have said before, in the golden age of Christianity. I mean, for those of you that are just joining us, perhaps this is the first time uh, that you've tuned in here on Faith Radio Network. This is an usual era, era that we're living in. There is more extra-biblical evidence that buttresses our faith, that undergirds it, the scales of truth tip in our favor. I mean, that is without question. I mean, you can know more about your faith than did Charles Spurgeon, Martin Luther, the great Christians who we quote, the great saints from previous Christian generations. They were not aware of biblical archaeology. They were not aware of these great evidences for our faith. You truly make a great faith decision, but an excellent intellectual Christian when one begins to follow Jesus. Now, Warren, um, we have many, we have about 60% females uh, that connect with this broadcast. And I receive questions, uh, this whole this whole radio program is built on answering questions that are either phoned in or voicemailed questions or questions submitted at askjjj.com. And I receive questions from a lot of concerned parents. And Warren, you have a great marriage. You have, great, you have four rock star kids. Um, but a lot of parents out there are concerned. And I just want to ask for you to coach us for a moment because as I look at parenting today, um, I often think of Jonathan Edwards, who said every dad is really the pastor of his home. I mean, I've never forgotten that. The Puritans had this where, the, I mean, the dad should be the pastor of the home. I really believe that. Of course, we have so many homes without dads, so that gets very challenging. But for the concerned parents out there, there's a lot of questions out there that kids are looking at having professors answers or other public answer, people answer, but not their parents, but really their parents should be answering these questions right from the get-go. How can you encourage parents for a moment just to first encourage and inculcate faith in their kids, even at the most practical levels for those moms that are listening to us right now? Well, I appreciate you asking that question. And I I should say first, Jeremiah, that I often say that God gave me good kids because I'm not smart enough to raise bad kids. Uh, But you're right. My kids are are just rock stars. I will often also tell people that when I grow up, I want to be like my kids. They're just amazing folks. You know, again, by God's grace, they're all for following the Lord and doing really wonderful things in their life. But, um, you know, I credit credit God, again, God's grace and my wife more than me to – uh, to the successes that they've had. But I, I, to the extent that I have maybe contributed a little bit to that uh, process, I would say this, and, th- and that is that um, don't be afraid uh, to um, say you're sorry to your kids. Don't be afraid to admit that you don't know the answers. Uh, don't have an answer for every question. I mean, I do think it's important that we study to show ourselves approved and that, and that as you rightly said, Jeremiah, we are, as dads, the pastors uh, of our little con- congregation known as the family. But, you know, we don't know all the answers. And and I think uh, being uh, vulnerable, uh, being willing to admit you're wrong, being willing to say you're sorry, uh, is goes a long, long way with kids and with others as well. I think it actually enhances rather than diminishes our credibility when we are willing to say, I don't have all the answers. Hmm. Having been married for 35 years, um, what's the secret of a of a great marriage, a great Christian marriage? I receive so many questions on this program from marital couples who are just struggling, Warren. What's been some of the secrets or the principles that you and your wife have been committed to that have stood the test of the decades in your marriage? 
Well, I, again, I would say Mar- uh, my wife gets more credit for that than I should. Uh, marry the right woman would be uh, would be part of my answer to that. But I will also tell you, and and I don't want to be glib about this, but uh, I I've also believed that you know because some people say, well, I didn't marry the right woman, or I didn't marry the right man, so it's okay for me to bail out of this relationship, and um, you know, and go find Mr. Right or go find um, Ms. Right. And you know, I I kind of subscribe to the view that um, you know the the woman you married is the right woman. The man you married is the right man. And that you've got to figure out how to make it work. That divorce is not an option. Uh, that that God hates divorce. Um, that we, we hear that from Jesus' own words in Scripture. Now, uh, we also know that he allowed for divorce in certain circumstances. So if you've been through a divorce, I, I don't want this to sound like a word of condemnation to you at all. That is not what I intend. Because I, Jesus said that he hated divorce, and I know that people who've been through divorce hate divorce. So that that's not going to be news to them. But, you know, it does take work. Uh, I think, um, at least for my wife and me, coming to the decision that divorce is not an option, that we are here to make this work. We're going to do, you know, everything that it, within our power. And there's also a concept that we use called 100% responsibility. It's not a 50-50 relationship. It's not a, well, I'll, 100 or 0%. I'll give 100% and she gave 0%. That's why it didn't work. But it's 100 it's, it's, it, you've got to behave as if it's 100% your responsibility, and I think that that's way, the way that um, we, at least, have been able to last for 35 years. My guest is Warren Cole Smith. He's someone you definitely need to connect with. Uh, follow him, connect with him on social media at Warren Cole Smith. He's dropping all kinds of wisdom on us about parenting the right way in the home and also about marriage. Thank you so much for, for Warren just being so vulnerable about this, helping so many families and parents who are listening and connecting with this broadcast right now. We're going to be back in 90 seconds. I'm going to be asking Warren about that transition that he made from the successful corporate business world to stepping into a life of full-time ministry. You don't want to miss his answer. Check, Stay with us. We're going to be back in 90 seconds. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show, welcoming you here on Faith Radio Network. We're discussing uh, family. We're discussing the integration of Christian thought and life with Warren Cole Smith, our guest today, who is Vice President of Advancement at the Colson Center for Christian Worldview. You've heard him on Breakpoint. You've heard him on his very successful podcast, Listening In. And Warren, I want to transition back to your testimony, because... Uh, you knew you wanted to become a writer when you were 14, um, but I want to hear more about your faith journey and how you went from leaving a very successful business career. Um, what were the steps? Because, again, on this program, I receive many questions from listeners who may be sensing a calling on their life, and they're wondering if God wants them to perhaps step out in faith and do something more even vocationally for the Lord than what they're perhaps doing in a volunteer capacity. Tell us your testimony, and how do you know it was God? How did, what were the steps where you really saw it was God's will for you to do ultimately what you're doing now? 
Well, those are really great and really hard questions. Uh, you know, looking back on it, I would have to say that it's easier for me to make sense of, of those questions and the answers than it was while I was in the midst of it. But let me just real briefly, Jeremiah, I, um, I, you know, I, I became a Christian, as I said, when I was 14 years old, decided I wanted to be a writer at, at that time as well. I uh, finished high school, went to college, majored in journalism, was very active in ministry all through college. So there was not a time where it was like, I fell away and sort of came back to the faith. I was, you know, actively involved in my in my uh, faith and in church and in Christian ministry all along. Um, I ended up uh, living in Alaska for three years between uh, undergraduate and graduate school. Uh, I got offered a job there. I thought it would be a great adventure. It also ended up being a good way to finance graduate school. So I was able to make some money up there and then come back and go to grad school. Got a master's in English literature. So you can perhaps see, again, still on that trajectory to be a writer uh, with that master's degree and ended up uh, writing for a magazine. In fact, I was the editor of a magazine in the Atlanta area, uh, a lifestyle magazine, not a Christian magazine at all. But as is often the case, when you are in journalism, uh, you meet business people in the community, you meet other leaders in the community. One of them offered me a job making a whole lot more money than I was making as a, a starving writer. And I took that job because I, by then I was married and had a couple of kids. And that began a sojourn in business. I ended up working in business for about 15 years, uh, first doing public relations, utilizing my journalism skills, and then uh, more, more marketing skills. Ultimately, I was the marketing director for a large accounting firm called Price Waterhouse Coopers, which is one of the what they call the big four global accounting firms. And um, but I missed journalism. And um, so after a season of doing that, I was, I was there for nearly eight years. Um, I decided that uh, you know I wanted to get back into journalism, and so I founded a, a Christian newspaper in Charlotte, my hometown called the Charlotte World, and uh, that was the beginning of the growth of a, of a small chain of Christian newspapers where I was able to utilize the marketing and the leadership skills that I had developed in business with the journalism skills and the writing skills that I had developed over the years as well. So for me, it was kind of, um, you know, just go through the door that's open in front of you, Jeremiah. They were, you know, every step of the way was I was just trying to learn, trying to grow, trying to develop those skills. I would say getting back into journalism with the Christian newspapers, which I ultimately sold, and that allowed me to start writing books and to eventually go to work for World Magazine, where, you know, again, looking back on it, I can see a trajectory. I can see that it all makes sense, that the writing and the marketing and the entrepreneurial skills all come together and allow me to provide uh, leadership to, you know, Christian ministries, especially Christian ministries that are in the communications business. But i got to tell you, some of those decisions were really tough along the way. I didn't know what the right decision was. And I would say uh, praying, um, getting counsel from people who know me, especially my wife, and but but not just my wife, others that know me and have stood with me and have walked with me through life, um, has been um, has been really important to help me discern what the right next step was, uh, what what the right next step was at every step of the way. And I'm hearing something else. I mean, you saw a ministry need and you started something. You started magazines. You started um, these publications that you saw there was a real need for, and you did it in your home community. I'm sure you used the connections you had. And so often yep. I think there are individuals who are feeling a call of God on their life, but 
perhaps they're reticent to go start something from nothing. What can you say to that individual about the excitement that there is to actually build something, see it prosper, see the Lord bless it, and most importantly, see it bring transformation into individuals' lives? Well, you're right. It is exciting, uh, and it is also really, really hard. Um, so I, I guess I can argue both sides of that, Jeremiah. I, I mean, I love starting things from scratch. I love building something. I guess I'm an entrepreneur uh, at heart, and um, it is, it's a lot of fun, but it is also very um, difficult. It can take a lot of family time. Uh, I would also counsel people. Um, if someone gave me some advice a long time ago. Just because there's a need, that does not necessarily represent represent a calling on your life. There are lots and lots of needs in the world that I don't feel that I'm necessarily uh, called to. So I think that, you know, you really have to be discerning about what God is calling you to and try to match that up with a need that you see around you. For example, when I started my first Christian newspaper, the Charlotte World, it was because I realized, I learned, I discovered that the state of North Carolina was spending um, taxpayer dollars to to fund abortions. About a million and a half dollars a year was paying for about 5,000 abortions a year. This was in the early 90s. And I was outraged by that and was astonished that this, that I didn't know about it until when I did learn, ultimately learn about it. And um, that was when I decided that a, that a local newspaper that would communicate to the Christian community these types of ideas and what we could do about them was important. But So for me, it was a passion for journalism sort of uh, coupled with a deep need that I believed existed in our community. So you you get this opportunity then where you've had ministry experience, you've whet your appetite, and then, I mean, you proceed to become a perennial author. You've authored or edited more than 10 books. I have Restoring mm-hmm. All Things, God's gracious plan, audacious plan to change the world through everyday people, which I want to transition to right now and other books that you've already mentioned. I want to encourage you to check out all of these books, uh, buy all the books that Warren Cole Smith has written. He's just a fantastic thinker, uh, the way he reasons the faith. And don't forget, friends, the most important descriptor in the New Testament when someone makes a decision for Christ is that that individual was persuaded to come to Christ. And so we're talking to yet another friend of this program and of Christian Thinker Society, Warren Cole Smith, who is a persuader for Christ, who encourages and helps us know how to persuade others about the validity and the importance and the impact of the Christian faith. Um, Warren, I've been asked over 10,000 questions that have been text messaged to me during our live events at Christian Thinker Society, our tour events, and the number two most frequently asked question that I am asked from Christians is the seeming silence of God, or perhaps, you know, they hear they hear someone like you, Warren, stand up and say that God had spoken to them or, or impressed in your heart something, and 80% of Christians have never had that feeling of or that sense that God spoke to them, and I don't necessarily mean audibly or anything weird, I just mean God really leading them to do something, and so they doubt, they doubt their faith, they feel like God's being silent, others just cannot... They cannot make sense. They can't equate the problems of their life with the promises they see in Scripture, and so they doubt. But I really feel like your book, Restoring All Things, in many ways is an antidote in so many ways to this question because you really show how God is working today. Can you just talk more about the big idea of restoring all things and what that says to those individuals who question if God's really active or if he's just silent in their life? Well, yeah, that's a really... um, 
I think a driving force behind the book, Jeremiah, is that, you know, Christians so often stand against things, but we're not really great at articulating what we stand for. And we wanted this book uh, really to be a uh, a book full of stories, uh, a book full of examples of men and women who uh, have answered the call of God in their lives, and they're doing great things. Uh, You know, uh, the the other thing that we wanted to do, too, in this book, by by we, I mean John Stone Street, my co-author, who's the president of the Colson Center. Uh, John and I have mentors in our lives, like Chuck Colson, for example. We have heroes in our lives, men that we didn't know, but that we really look up to, like William Wilberforce or Abraham Kuyper, for example, or Charles Spurgeon, the name that you've already mentioned, um, Jeremiah. And, you know, it's really easy to look out at the world and say, I'm no Chuck Colson, I'm no Abraham Kuyper, I'm no Martin Luther, you know, I'm no Charles Spurgeon. And, and that's that's right. God, in his, in his grace and in his providence, raises up men and women like that. Honestly, not that often, kind of rarely in our lives. But we are all called uh, to some aspect of God's great uh, restorative work in the world, restoration work in the world. And so we wanted to, to tell, just tell stories of everyday people that just you know, saw a need and had a passion to meet that need where they were in their local communities. And to me, that is so encouraging, uh, in some ways even more encouraging than reading the inspirational stories of a Bonhoeffer or a Wilberforce, because I can look at these stories and say, you know what, I can go and do likewise in my own community. and um, Or maybe I won't do exactly what this person did, but I can use some of the same principles, some of the same um, uh, inklings that pushed that person over, um, you know, to take that step, to take some steps in my own life as well. So that's really what we hope that this book, Restoring All Things, is all it w- will motivate, is that it'll motivate what Chuck Colson called an army of little platoons, men and women in their local communities that are doing work for the kingdom. Because, you know, we are, um, we're the body of Christ. That means we are the hands and feet of Jesus in our local communities. And we wanted to give people examples of others that were doing exactly that. Warren, we only have about three minutes until our break, but I want to set up this next question by just sharing a personal story. I just lost my grandfather about a year ago, Mm. uh, 91 years of age, read his Bible through every 10 and a half weeks like clockwork. I mean, read 25 chapters on Sunday. One of those World War II vets, I mean, you don't try to change his schedule. You just fall in line with his schedule. But he made such a tremendous impact on me. Layman, uh, never in the ministry, a businessman his entire life, but um, knew more probably than a lot of people in full-time ministry, at least the impact he had, had on my life. And he, he often would say, Jeremiah, don't ever give a message or don't go teach a lecture or write a book that hasn't first been transformative in your own life. Otherwise, it's, he would always use the term, that's just plastic, that's just fake. He said, mm-hmm. you only want to give a message that's really transformed yourself first. And I think there are some Christians out there listening to you right now, both across Faith Radio Network and then on the podcast, and they feel broken inside. They feel like they're... They're, perhaps they need to re- begin by just renewing their life before they try to restore things in the community around them. Um, we only have about 90 seconds, but how, how, can, how can someone who's listening right now who just feels that they need to restore all things in their own life, how can they do it? What are the steps? Well, I think um, that one of the steps is just to make that decision. You know, uh, making a decision for Jesus is not enough, but it's a start. 
Um, it, it is a, um, you know, and the other thing too is just to realize that uh, you might think that what you have done, your history, some sin in your life, whatever it is, makes you unfit for service. But listen, God only uses broken vessels. You know, someone once told me that the Bible was written by three murderers: um, Moses, uh, David, and Paul. Paul wasn't technically a murderer, but he held the cloak for the murderers of Stephen. So if God can use those three murderers, He can use you and me. So powerful. I, I often say uh, Abraham probably wouldn't be a leader in the church today. Twice asked his, his wife to marry other men, had trouble kind of listening to God, following him. But he, he got one thing right. He followed God in faith. So a uh, great, great answer, Warren Cole Smith. Thank you so much. Uh, we've got to take a break, just 90 seconds. But when we come back, I'm going to ask Warren to talk more about what is happening right now at the Colson Center for Christian Worldview and this fascinating Bellows program they have. This might be something you want to participate in, so stay with us. We're back with Warren Cole Smith, Vice President of Mission Advancement for the Colson Center of Christian Worldview in 90 seconds. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. This is your host, Jeremiah. I want to encourage you to connect with Warren Cole Smith on Facebook. That's at Warren Cole Smith on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, you can also read his um, outlets at Breakpoint CC. That's on Twitter at Breakpoint CC or at the Colson Center. Uh, same with Facebook. Definitely like their page. Connect with them on Twitter. I love their weekly email that they send out. It keeps me informed. It's always one I'm eager to receive in my inbox. So I would encourage you to connect with Warren in those different mediums. Warren, tell us about the Colson Center for Christian Worldview. We have a lot of new believers who will connect with this program. We even have some seekers and skeptics as well. They may never actually heard of the Colson Center for Christian Worldview. And then ease into the fellows program, if you would, because I have some mutual friends who are either graduates uh, or they're going through the program right now who have just nothing but delightful things to say about how they're being empowered through the fellows program. Well, I pre- yeah, those are um, questions that uh, stir up my heart, uh, Jeremiah. They're very near and dear to me. Uh, uh, the The short version of the Colson Center is this: Chuck Colson, um, the who, for whom the Colson Center was is named, and who founded the Colson Center, uh, was uh, one of the um, Watergate um, uh, figures of the 1970s. He went to prison uh, because of his involvement in the Watergate scandal under Richard Nixon. He was, in fact, called uh, Nixon's hatchet man. But after he went to prison, he or, or just as right before he went to prison, he had a conversion experience and um, gave his life to Jesus, came out of prison and founded Prison Fellowship Ministries. And uh, for 15 years, uh, he was working in the prisons, doing a great work there, built one, uh, I think it's the now the largest prison ministry in the world. But after he was had done that for about 15 years, he realized that a lot of what we're dealing with with these prisoners um, are the symptoms, not the causes of the problem. And we need to get upstream from that, uh, from these um, effects, and get to the root causes. And he realized that it's the it was the church that the church was not really teaching a robust Christian worldview. And what that meant was that even children that were growing up in the church were going were growing up and getting involved in all kinds of things that were not good, some of them even going to prison. In fact, Chuck would often say, it's amazing how many people that I encounter in prison that were raised in the church. And uh, so he, he wanted to 
do something, have a ministry to the church, with the church, and for the church that would really develop a robust Christian worldview within the leaders of the church so we didn't have to re-evangelize every generation that came along so that churches and parents were raising their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord in ways that allowed that faith to stick with them. So about 25 years ago, he started a radio ministry called Breakpoint, and that Breakpoint ministry evolved into the Colson Center. And after he did that for about a dozen years, Chuck realized that, you know, radio is fantastic. Jeremiah, you know that. You can communicate with a lot of people. You can tell the truth to a lot of people, and you can really have an impact on radio. But there are also limits to every medium, even a great medium like radio and podcasting. And he wanted to have more one-on-one or small group impact on people's lives. So he started a program called the Centurions Program, which is a year-long program deep dive into the Christian worldview. You read about 12 or 15 books a year. You attend three residencies a year, which means we bring people from all over the country into a central location. One of those residencies is our annual Wilberforce weekend, which I'm honored to say you'll be speaking at next May. So we're really excited, uh, Jeremiah, that you'll be speaking at at our uh, Wilberforce weekend, which is one of the three residencies of uh, the Colson Fellows. Well, so you go through that year-long program. You get committed missioned as a Colson Fellow uh, at the um, uh, Wilberforce Weekend. We've got about 1,500 people that have been through that program over the last 15 years. When Chuck passed away in 2012, we renamed the program from Centurions to Colson Fellows in order to honor Chuck. And we now have regional affiliates around the country as well, including one in Houston, which I'm guessing is the one that you've been hearing about. I've been hearing about it not just in Houston, but all over the country. I have some friends, actually two, who are going through the Fellows Program right now. So if somebody's interested, uh, because we have a very eager audience, that, and I just love that. We have a very responsive audience to this broadcast. Uh, Warren, if somebody's interested in, in perhaps uh, the prerequisites or how they could sign up to do this year-long deep dive Fellows Program, uh, what are the immediate steps they can look at uh, uh, to join the Fellows Program, or at least to find more information? Yeah, the fellow, we have a website, of course, the uh, breakpoint.org, which you've already mentioned is the Colson Center website, but we also have a separate website for the Fellows Program, and it's called colsonfellows.org. And it uh, outlines the program. Uh, it, there's an application process online. There are testimonials from other people, uh, and a little bit about the cost and expectations of the program as well. Let me just say, though, Jeremiah, I hope that everyone who's listening will not let money be the reason they don't come. We have, it is expensive, it's an expensive program, uh, but we have lots of scholarships. Uh, generous donors have made scholarships available, and we would be um, delighted if, um, you know, if some of your listeners uh, would take a close look at the program. The real cost, the hard cost, more than even the money, is the time and the commitment. It, it, it is a, a commitment. I mean, you're going to read 15 tough books over the course of the year. And uh, you're going to participate in webinars, online webinars, a couple of times a month. These residencies do take up a couple of weekends a year. And and I like for people, I like to tell people that up front um, because, um, uh, you know, I want, this is for folks that are serious about going in, you know, going deeper uh, with their faith, about becoming educated in the ways that uh, can make a difference in their own lives and in the lives of the people in their sphere of influence. I don't want to scare people away, but the Bible says, that before you build a tower, count the cost, and and um, I think it's important that um, that folks really take a good, uh, long, hard look 
at um, at the cost involved, which is more time uh, than it is money. But I also say the rewards are far far greater than the cost. And I say that some, I'm talking about the cost. I don't want to say facetiously, but also to say that we we think this is a really special program. And uh, folks that have been involved, gone through the Colson Fellows Program, are doing great things. Uh, one of them is Michael Lindsay, who's the president of Gordon College. One of them is Dub Oliver, who's the president of Union University. One of them is Kristen Wagoner, who just argued the Jack Phillips Masterpiece Cake case before the United States Supreme Court. But you know what? We also have homeschool moms and pastors and school teachers that have gone through the program as well. And there are businessmen, like my good friend Bob Sprott, my good Michigan friend, who I had dinner with the other night in Ada, Michigan. So if you're a businessman or if you're a businesswoman out there and you're sensing you're just ready to go deeper, and, and let me add my voice. I don't do this very often for those of you that listen to this program on a weekly basis, but uh, there's not a finer ministry out there that will inculcate faith and give you a conversant faith a faith that allows you to be very persuasive in the workplace and also give you the great confidence having read these books, but not just read them, but reading them in a reading group where you can truly discuss them. My gosh, you will come out on the other side deep in your own faith in a powerful, useful tool for Almighty God. And that's really what the faith is all about, being activated. And so definitely check out the program. Uh, you mentioned um, a great segue, Warren, the Wilberforce weekend. And friends, again, um, you know, I have the privilege and the honor by God's grace. I'm called to be an apologist. I speak in a lot of unique places. I don't talk about it all that often on the radio show because this radio show is about resourcing and equipping you. But one event I am thrilled you're going to be hearing a lot about this year is what's happening May 17 to 19, the Wilberforce Weekend 2019. I want you to sign up and register for it. I want you to check it out. And Warren, tell us about the Wilberforce Weekend. How did it come to be? Um, it's, I, mean, I know many have heard of it before in the past. And then uh, let folks know um, how and why they can sign up for this year, which, again, it's happening. I want to make sure people have it May 17 to 19, 2019. Well, the Wilberforce Weekend started, Jeremiah, merely as a way to to uh, commission uh, our class of Colson Fellows. Uh, it was a graduation weekend, if you wanted to put it that way. We'd have a couple of speakers come in, and uh, the the folks that went through the Fellows Program, maybe their spouses would come. And it started out with just 100, 150, 175 people, and uh, fairly small, and... and um, kind of limited to that. But other people started hearing about it. Folks that went through the program wanted to come back to the next year's program. And the thing has just kind of exploded in the last three or four years. Uh, we had uh, almost 800 people at the event last year. Uh, we're expecting between 800 and 900 people at the event this year. In fact, the, the only reason we won't have more is because we've maxed out the venue that we're in. We had to, we had to arrange our venue a couple of years in advance, not knowing it was going to grow as rapidly as it has. So uh, but we're we're excited about it, and it, you, you will be there speaking. And the theme for the conference, Jeremiah, is this: is Christianity still? good for the world. Uh, there have been writers such as the sociologist Rodney Stark, who have, uh, with the rise of Christianity in that book, for example, has documented the great contributions that Christianity has made to the world. But you know what? We live in what some call a post-Christian age or, or a secular age. Some call it postmodern modern age, where, where the value of Christianity is very much in question. And as Christians, we are called upon more and more to defend 
understand the good that Christianity is and does in the world. And of course, your book, uh, books on this topic, uh, have been really uh, helpful to us, and that's one of the reasons why we wanted you to um, be a speaker. But we've also got uh, uh, Rick Warren, we've got uh, uh, Kelvin Cochran, the Atlanta Fire Chief, who um, was fired from his job because of the stand he took for Christianity, uh, Michael Card, the musician, uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest of the state of North Carolina, uh, John Lennox, the great uh, apologist from England, is coming over uh, to be a part of the event as well. And we're doing a special pre-conference with Andrew Peterson and the Rabbit Room. If, if folks uh, listening don't know the Rabbit Room, really encourage that. But Andrew Peterson has been a, just a wonder. He's a great storyteller, uh, a, uh, a wonderful musician, but also thinks really deeply about the Christian faith as well. And so we're really excited to have all of you guys be a part of the Wilberforce Weekend. Uh, the current class of fellows will get commissioned. Their families and many, many others will be there as well. Well, friends, all of you listening across the Faith Radio Network and those of us who interact on the podcast and through Christian Thinker Society, definitely check out the Wilberforce Weekend Register. Come hang out with us for the weekend. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, we only have time for one final question. And, and Warren, I've been so excited to ask you this. Um, this is a question that investigates deeply the questions that all of us struggle with in our faith. Um, do you have an unanswered question that if you could ask God anything right now, what would it be? Or perhaps an unanswered question that you um, went actually just transcended uh, in your own life at some point that was formative? I'd, I'd love to hear from your heart as we close things up uh, with this final question. Well, you know, as a matter of fact, Jeremiah, today is the anniversary of the death of a good friend of mine named Brent McKnight. Uh, Brent was so formative in my Christian faith. Uh, he was a lawyer here in Charlotte. He was ultimately named to be a federal judge in Charlotte. I, I really believe that if Brent McKnight were alive today, he would be on the United States Supreme Court. He was just that kind of a brilliant intellect. But unfortunately, he died of can- died of cancer um, just months after he was named a federal judge. And, you know, I know all the answers. I know that Brent is in a better place. But i got to tell you, that was a very, very hard uh, transition for me. I-, I wanted to ask, why, God? Why did you take Brent? We need him so badly here. And um, so I, even though I know, like C.S. Lewis said, when I get to heaven, all my answers, are, all my questions are going to fade away, and I'm just going to look around and say, Oh, I get it. I understand now. But I got to tell you, for me now, when I see, when I hear, uh, whenever I experience Brent McKnight's death or hear about people like Johnny Erickson Tata, whose cancer has recurred, and I think, God, we need those folks here with us. Why are you taking them? It's hard, but I know God is sovereign. I know he's in control, and I know he works all things to the good. So I'm hoping, I'm waiting for that day whenever I can look around and say, oh, now I get it. Exactly. What a great what a great question. What a great way to think through that. And like you said earlier in the program, we don't have the immediate answers, but the fact that we can investigate these difficult questions together is one of the great proofs and powers of of the vitality of our joint faith. We believe together. We have a shared faith. Warren, you've been such a delightful guest. Uh, I hope that you will come back again and again on this program. Um, Thank you for spending time with us. And I look forward to see you at the Wilberforce weekend soon. I'm looking forward to it, too. Thank you, Jeremiah. Good to be with you. All right, friends. I'm going to be back answering your questions. We've received many now at AskJJJ.com. I'll be answering those questions in our next segment. I'll be back with you in 90 seconds.
Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. Going now to your questions that you've submitted at AskJJJ.com. And if you're just joining us, uh, this program is really uh, determined by the audience. It's a very interactive program. We have received thousands and thousands of questions via text message and our website, also by calling Faith Radio Network. Caden has emailed me a question. Dr. Johnston, hello. I've had a fear of dying for years now. I used to be an atheist until I became a born-again Christian, but somehow I always find myself questioning the faith. I mean, I believe in Jesus and believe he has a place for me in heaven, but in the back of my mind, I'm pounded with thoughts like, well, what if when you die, you're done, or it's just darkness and lack of consciousness? I don't know how to stop these thoughts or where they originated, and sometimes I believe them. What do I do? Well, Caden, thanks so much for your question. A couple of very important concepts here that I want to discuss with you. First and foremost, every time we have a doubt, a thought that doubts our faith, let me share with you something that I do. In your case, it's about what happens when we die. Somebody else, it might be a fear of illness. It might be a financial fear, a fear, any kind of fear. We always take those thoughts and we do what the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians. We take those thoughts to Corinthians We make them captive to Jesus Christ. That means we bring them under the obedience of Jesus Christ. Any thought, any feeling that I have, I take through the filter of God's word. And so what does the Bible say about what happens to us when we die? Now, this is beautiful, Caden. 2 Corinthians 5, 8, absent with the body, present with the Lord. And the force of the Greek is the moment you take your last breath here on this earth in your earthly life, you are immediately in face-to-face communion with Jesus Christ, never to be separated. And don't forget, Caden, James says a double-minded person is unstable in all his ways. And so really we have a choice. It's up to us. Are we going to believe the Bible and say, you know what, I reject that thought. That thought is a lie. I'm not going to believe the lies of the world, the lies of the enemy. I'm going to entrust my life to the Holy Scriptures where I can find life. And there's over a hundred passages in the Scriptures that teach us that nothing can pluck us out of the Father's hand, that Jesus Christ has not only saved us, but his Holy Spirit has sealed us. Caden, thank you so much for that question. And friends, I want to encourage you, please connect with this broadcast. Don't forget, share the broadcast blog. Connect with me on Facebook, Twitter. Go to www.christianthinkers.com. Connect with us on all the social media channels. And definitely check out Twitter because I'm constantly tweeting. Um, I'm probably speaking in a city near you. So I ask you to continue to pray for all of us at Faith Radio Network, Christian Thinkers Society. Thanks for joining us on the Jeremiah Johnston Show. See you next time. I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Thanks for listening to the podcast from the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I definitely want to hear from you, so if you have a follow-up question from today's program, you can submit it to me at www.askjjj.com. You'll also see how you can connect with us from there across social media. And don't forget, these conversations are available because of listener support. And you can make a gift right now to the Faith Radio Network at www.myfaithradio.com. And to avoid missing future editions of the Jeremiah Johnston Show, please subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. You can do a Google Play, RSS feed. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of the program.